Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pre-roll time. You know the Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly brought to you by Inked Marketing Solutions. And the Inked Marketing Solutions crowdfunded comic for this episode. Well, it belongs to Trickster. Mm-hmm. And it's ending soon, so do not miss out on this amazing special 40 page, 48, 48 page comic. Once again, brought to you by Inked publishing. Now, Trickster is a funny, fast-paced or comedy series. Gotta love a little bit of horror and a little bit of comedy with a whole lot of zoom-zoom. A sometimes dark look at a man, it says in quotation marks. Hmm, I wonder what that could be implying there. A man who never believed he could be a leader until he finally chooses to become one. Mm-hmm. Rory is your typical everyday banished leprechaun. Naturally. Ah, man. He runs a bar in Boston and uses his powers of illusion to protect his neighborhood from the thieves of the world. I feel like I'm doing this ad injustice by not having a an Irish accent, but unfortunately that's the best that's the best it gets for me. Regardless, if they use a gun or a contract as their weapon. Mm-hmm. When monsters from this homeland begin showing up, Rory realizes that not only are these creatures putting humanity at risk, they're proving disastrous for his drinking time. <laughs> you see, Rory has a secret. I dig it, man. It's ending on the 13th. This crowdfunded Kickstarter comic ends on the 13th. You gotta head on over to inked.pub slash trickster. Once again, that's inked.bub pub, not bub. Pub slash trickster. And that's, uh, yeah, get your hands on a copy of Trickster. 48 pages. Mmm. Of radio. Back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 357. The 357th episode of the Cheers to Comics podcast will be a creator corner. I'll be cornering a couple of creators here. Uh, more specifically, uh, Steve Mardo and Sean French. 
Now these guys are uh, part of the, the 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 team behind Epic Taverns Tales from the Fantastical Crime Unit coming out from Black Caravan, you know, from Scout. So good stuff here, people. Good stuff. Uh, if you're familiar with the uh, mobile game Epic Tavern, this is for you. If you're not, this is still for you, and we'll get into that in great detail in this amazing conversation that I have with Steve and Sean. But first, before I get into this conversation with Steve and Sean, I gotta tell you all about the newest affiliate of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and that's going to be 307nerdsforever.com. Or, uh, if you're in Newcastle, Wyoming, it's just Nerds Forever. You get that luxury. Um, but if you're not, and more than likely you're not, then uh, head on over to 307nerdsforever.com and uh, experience the uh, some the best. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and just say the best customer service and comic book re- online retail. The the that you're just yeah period. Uh, and I mean in the store as well, obviously, but just. Overall, it's it's amazing customer service. That's why I I reached out and said, "How about that partnership?" And Tarl said yes. And uh, yeah, man, and it's 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 been magic since. Um, but while you're over there, you're not just gonna get you know I'm not gonna just head on over there and uh, check out all of the amazing deals that you're already going to get. You know them. You find those books on eBay. They're going for fair market value. No, you still get them for cover price over at 307nerdsforever.com quite often. But beyond already getting books discounted um, from fair market value, use code Cheers at checkout and save another 10%. Cheers at checkout at 307nerdsforever.com and save 10 percent and uh yeah just experience it people witness it all right without any further ado i bring to you the conversation with sean french and steve marto all right steve and sean how are you fellas good well thanks good man good Steve, I know we were talking in the, uh, the the green room a little bit beforehand. I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> I, I, I I know you're well, man. Uh, I think we're both uh, at the the same type of uh, energy level for this. Um, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm uh, I, Sean. I I hope you're ready, man, because uh, <laughs> I'm high energy right now, dude. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Let's do it. Um, it's a nice. We were saying it's a nice early early morning interview, so we are all yes widely yes. awake, have our coffee, and yes, yep. we're all set. It's true. Yeah, yep. we, we did one late last night that you got to kind of get the, you know, <clears throat> the second or third or fourth wind at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to yeah, kind of get yeah. yourself ready. This, this is much easier. I'm actually awake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to take <laughs> off the day. You know, I mean, you don't, yeah. You don't, uh, I, I don't know. I, I dig the morning conversations. I'm liking this, changing things up here. Um, so, guys, before we get into <laughs> uh, Epic Tavern, um, I, uh, I, I, I like to give my, I like to hear my origin stories. That's for damn sure. I like to hear where the people that create the things that I love come from and, uh, why comics and all of that amazing stuff. So I want to talk with, uh, Steve first, our illustrator, man. Like when, when did, uh, I mean, it's kind of a basic question, but when did, uh, comics fall into your life originally? Uh, I was, uh, well, I always wanted to draw since I was little, I was almost kids that I realized I really wasn't doing anything else but drawing. And that's where I kind of got my, you know, my shine. Um, I was never good at sports or anything. Um, and uh, I remember uh, going into like a Walden's books 
and my mom got me i saw this thing called teenage mutant ninja turtles mm, and it was a little trade paperback it was, it was one of the original trade paperbacks and uh i saw it and um i fell in love with it because i'd never I've, I've always saw spider-man and batman stuff like that but i saw these little like weird kind of chubby turtles but they were like ninjas and i was like oh, I, I could be that i'm like a little like that <laughs> kid and i could be like a ninja turtle and uh and and i saw like just how awesome it was and how like another thing is too you know you're, you're younger like you see the violence and stuff in it and like they're all like cutting up ninjas and mousers and all this other stuff so uh that got me hooked and um then i i ended up um i was probably like a, i think around 10 or 11 and i got into the uh like I said, I always saw the Spider-Man cartoons and the comics. And I never really was a big fan of the style, the old school style. I am now, but when I was younger, I was like, and yeah, it looks so like old, like old, like old people draw it. <laughs> and, um, and, and then I saw the McFarlane Spider-Man, Spider-Man number 14, I think it was. And that would hit the stands. And I my dad took me to a comic book shop and he was like, I don't know what this is or whatever. And he was wearing the black suit. And I was like, yeah. whoa, like. This is, I've never seen anything like this before. This is crazy. He's got these crazy webbings. And after that, I was just like, that's what I'm doing for the rest of my life. I want to, I want to do comics. I want to tell stories in this crazy way. That's, um, you know, totally different and not totally not animation because animation is very painstaking. Oh my God. I don't understand how they do it, man. Like it's, I, I don't know. That's a whole other monster right there, but even just illustrating in itself, like it still has its, its repetitive moments and yeah, man, just it's painstaking in its own way, but it's, it's fun though. I, I, there's nothing else I'd rather do. And, and, um, I, me and Sean talked about this before. Uh, I ended up always wanting to do comics when I got out of high school. I didn't go straight to college. I was like, I'm going to do stuff for Marvel and DC. Like that's what I'm doing. And uh, I sucked, you know, I was, I was like every other, you know, bright eyed, you know, 18 year old, 17 year old coming out of high school, thinking he's going to work for Marvel. And um, I did some years where I did do the convention thing. And I met a lot of like really great, like artists and illustrators. And some of the best advice I ever got was from uh, Brian Stealthfreeze and um, oh, cool. Jimmy Palmati, who were like amazing, uh, one of the first people I ever interacted with as create as you know for creators and um i ended up going back to school in my late 20s and i ended up going to uh, school of visual arts for a year and then i went and got my bachelor's at um mass art in boston um and then from there i basically just hit the ground running and i have done a lot of illustration work um and i always missed i was always doing comics on the, like the side but illustration work always kind of paid the bills so i ended up just kind of getting into this place where excuse me, I realized I had to kind of do this if I really wanted to, you know, fulfill my need, my needs as an artist, I wanted to really do visual storytelling. And so uh, here I am, and I've done some, you know, some stuff for some, a lot of independent uh, companies and stuff like that. Um, but uh, then I got hooked up with some people at Scout through uh, Steve Levine, who was the original Ninja Turtles colorist, who's coloring the book. And uh, he hooked us up with Sean and epic tavern and uh fantastical crimes unit has has turned into what it has so that's that's amazing yes. man thank that's, you that, that's so awesome um the, what, 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 did you have uh encouraging art teachers throughout high school or were you someone that had to just kind of where were you had did you have to be a rebel artist because i know that's 
That could I, be tough I actually, sometimes. I actually had a very awesome art teacher, Miss Pliny. Shout outs. She's probably right on. She's probably old and doesn't listen to podcasts now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> and probably don't know what podcast is. But um, but she was awesome. She would like she would take she would literally give me passes to go into her class and just That's draw. So cool. She was so because she really was. She was an awesome art teacher. She was one of the best teachers I ever had. And like there were some classes that I really didn't like. I would tell her, you know. Uh, I don't really like going to this class. And she'd be like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll give you a little pass to say that you're helping me out with the project. And then she would just let me go in there and just let me draw and let me do the stuff I need, I need to do. And um, yeah, so she, she was a huge, and my parents were very, um, uh, very supportive. Um, I don't think they knew exactly what it is I was trying to do, but they just knew that I did have talent and that they didn't want me to waste it. So they've always been pretty supportive. Although they were, although they were always like, you should get a full-time job and maybe do this mm. as a hobby, you know, but I was right. always kind of like thick-headed and just kind of was like, no, this is exactly what I'm going to do. So, and well, and now here you are. I mean, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> the mentality to have for sure. Taking destiny by the balls, I guess. Damn fucking straight. <laughs> Damn straight. Oh man. I love it, man. Um, Sean, I mean, I have to ask you the same question, brother. I mean, when did comics fall into your life? Cause I know you, you, you're a man of, uh, many talents. So I don't, I can't, I comics, your first love, or I mean, what, 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 what? Uh, certainly an early love. Um, okay. Uh, growing up the, the Conan comics, uh, in yes. the eighties were super, super influential. Uh, I was obsessed with those, uh, that movie came out when I was in middle school and it just hit at exactly the right time. And I just absorbed every, every book and comic I could get my hands on for years and years and years and years and just sucked up that IP as, as uh, quickly as I could. Um, so those comics were uh, a huge influence on me. Um, in terms of wanting to, to write comic stories, uh, Mad Magazine was probably a bigger influence than anything else. Oh, right on, man. Um, there were, I mean, I, I was... I did spend several years as a stand-up comic comedy writer. Um, and it was some of the early uh, like movie parody stuff that Mad Magazine did. They kind of, I think, uh, let that fuse for me in, in terms of okay. wanting to tell stories in, in, a, in a visual medium like that. Um, in terms of getting into making them, I kind of stumbled into it. Uh, I had uh, just released a movie called The Wrong House that I wrote and directed. And... Uh, I had written a follow-up script called Escape from Jesus Island about an attempt to clone Jesus that goes horribly wrong. And I was going to make it as this low budget, like, you know, $10,000 little indie film, you know, full of crazy monsters and stuff. And uh, awesome. around from Jesus that, Island, <laughs> the, the name's just echoing in my head right, right? now. I love it. So I actually uh, was talking about it with an artist friend, Mortimer Glum, and he convinced me to do it as a comic. He goes, I should actually make a really great comic series. And he had experience with that. I, you know, I obviously had a lot of experience reading comics, but hadn't, you know, hadn't worked on one before. Um, so he kind of, you know, was my guide through that process. When we did Escape from Jesus Island, we did four issues of that. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a, you know, we, we made a ton of rookie mistakes. Um, and it was just a painful, you know, experience that I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to do that again, but then like 10 years goes by and, you know, I started editing comics for scout and I've, I edited a lot of the black caravan books, you know, so I, I you know, probably edited 150 comics and in the yeah. back of my head, 
there's just, you know, I'm, I'm studying the art form. I'm learning a little bit more about it. I'm learning how, you know, how it works and kind of contemplate. There's still this part of me in the back of my head. That, okay. Can we do it right this time? Now that I actually know what I'm doing, could we, you know, um, and we saw an opportunity uh, through Scout to adapt uh, Epic Tavern, which is the video game I write for a living for Hyperkinetic Studios uh, into a comic series put out through Black Caravan, who I was already editing through and uh, bringing Steve on board was the, uh, the final big piece of the equation, you know, because again, uh, I write in a lot of different mediums. I'm not a dedicated comics guy. I love comics, um, but it's really important that I have a knowledgeable guide to bring me through it. And first time through it was Mortimer Glum and this time through it's, it's Steve Marto, um, who's really been kind of, you know, I know that if, if, I, if I give him a great story and give him these kind of iconic characters and, and, and good visual components to work with, he's going to put it together in a way that is better than I could have conceived of. Yeah. So we do this kind of back and forth, um, you know, bouncing ideas and, and developing you know, the, the look and the, the feel and the, and the flow of it together, which has just been a great experience. That's awesome. man. yeah, when you bring on somebody that, you know, is uh, th- that dedicated to the world of uh, comics, you know, it's, it's going to do justice to that type of storytelling and it's going to make the process so much easier. So that, that, that's awesome that you guys found each other and made this, this story happen. I'm listening to your story and I mean, you edited for Scout Comics, you, you wrote and directed a movie. I mean, I, I, I think I even read in your bio something you didn't mention you've acted as uh monsters in movies i mean you yeah. wrote stand-up like that i mean the writing stand-up thing that's something i hold to one of the uh I, right up there with i mean if not even a little bit further than comic book creating i mean that's that's the standard for me writing comedy is that's i i i couldn't imagine <laughs> that uh, just uh, put this put make this make the funny just make the funny i that, that's not uh, <laughs> writing it yeah. is well, to, to, to be fair, I, you know, I'm, I'm of the age, uh, I'm, I'm 50 years old, that I was a teenager during the comedy boom, when it was contractually obligated that you had to do stand-up comedy. Every human in the country had a five-minute set. It was, it was just a thing. Every bar did stand-up, where they now do like karaoke or other things. Every little bar had a stand-up night. It was comedy everywhere. So, uh, you know, in terms of looking for a, a any sort of path to express yourself creatively coming up at that time comedy was, was just like a really good uh, path, you know, and I was, I was bad at it for six years and, and good for one and then well, stopped. <laughs> you know, that's kinda... Yeah. I mean, quit while you're ahead, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Be, the, the Jerry Seinfeld thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're right off into the, the sunset, man. I love it. I love it. Um, so I, I mean, on, uh, you, you create video games uh, as, your, as your main source of living and uh, you, you're, you're, you're doing Epic Tavern. And then in your head, you have this other storyline, I would imagine. And then somehow Scout comes into the equation and Scout brings in Steve. Or did you guys find each other and go to Scout with this? What's, what's the process of bringing all of this together? Yeah, well, uh, Joe Schmalky over at Black Caravan um who makes the electric black uh, we don't kill spiders you know it, uh, murder hobo all, all of well, the joe guys. makes a ton of yeah. great books um i added all joe of joe's sleep yeah yeah, yeah i, I, I added all of joe's stuff and i, I had, oh. and that's been the case for, for several years now 
And I kind of had a standing offer or a standing uh, interest from him that if I wanted to do another series, he would certainly give that a, you know, real consideration about picking it up. Um, and finally, after kind of sitting at this, sitting on the sidelines with this great view of seeing how all these titles were performing and the number of variant covers that they're able to get with store exclusives. And, and I was like, okay, you know, I, I think I see it. I think I see an actual opportunity here that, that we can do this with, with very minimal risk and create something to kind of uh, expand our intellectual property in a really cool way and create this new adventure, uh, you know, kind of built out of some of the characters and storylines from Epic Tavern that we love. And we kind of pounced on that. Uh, Joe recommended uh, Steve Mardo right out of the gate. That was, that was his first recommendation. And then uh, I did about, you know, probably six to eight weeks of due diligence, examining different artists and putting together portfolios. And we kind of went through everything and ended up where I started that yeah. Steve's look was what we wanted for the book. It was just perfect. That's, that's incredible, man. I, I love it. Uh, it's, it's amazing how it all works out just in, in that. Uh, but uh, what, what's, what's really has me excited here is on top of all of this, you guys are breaking more ground at Scout because I don't think they've done a video game book yet. I no. don't know if they've done any properties at all based off of a video game. So, and we, we see how successful that is at Dark Horse. That's where all of Dark Horse's money is. Is in, in <laughs> their, yes, that's all Dark yeah, yeah, their hardcover I video do. game graphic novels. And um, I mean, Scout bringing in something like this, a mobile game that's accessible to everybody damn near i i don't know man i, I think uh this is just one more major building block and making scout the ultimate comic book monster that they they are becoming so i mean it's this is this is really exciting to see all of this come together in this type of way yeah and we're hoping um, to see more of that uh down the line too um yeah we we and i work for hyperkinetic studios which is a a game development studio uh, formed by senior designers from Treyarch who worked on like the PlayStation 2 era Spider-Man games. Oh, cool. So they kind of get sick of the studio system and decided they got to they kind of, you know, uh, start up something and uh, do it their own way without all the grind and the, the beatdown that the industry is famous for. Um, so it was just, it was just a perfect environment and, and finding Steve who fits the hyperkinetic kind of mindset and, uh, you know, it's the flow and the way we like to do things has, has been perfect. He's, you know, he's, he's become just a member of the greater team now. Yeah. 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 Oh, Steve, what's that like getting brought onto a property like this, man? I mean, did you have any idea something like this was coming? I mean, did, did, did how did, how did you know Joseph in order to, I mean, for him to recommend you like this? Well, well, we kind of met through Steve Levine. I met Steve Levine. Okay. Uh, at a show I was tabled next to him and I was just kind of like fangirling because he was like, Oh, I got one of the guys that, you know, made me, you know, help me start my career. What I wanted to do. And he liked my artwork a lot. And um, we ended up doing a couple of jam pieces together, which was also just amazing. Like, yeah, yeah I mean. it's just like <laughs> that bucket list. And yeah. um, one of those pieces is what made me want the two of them as a team. Yeah. That I saw, actually. Yeah, they done together. Yeah. Yeah, we did we did a I, I did a commission for uh um uh oh god, my mind's just going blank now. What was it for? Was it the, not the daredevil, it was the um 
was it the Daredevil, Sean? Or was it which Jumbo, one was it? I think it was. Oh, yeah, Yasagi Jumbo uh, commission. And I handed it over to Steve. I said, he was like, oh, I love this. Can I color it? And I was like, yeah, go for it. And then that's the one that I guess they showed Sean. And that's the one that kind of clicked. Um, but what happened was uh, there's this whole kind of crew. I'm, I'm, I'm in Rhode Island. They're all in uh, Maine. Um, okay. So uh, through the granite, granite uh state convention uh we all i met joe and steve and we just kind of all kind of you know i wasn't i wasn't um i didn't know i wasn't like meeting joe off the gate it was kind of like after a few shows we kind of met and and i showed him my artwork and i kept talking to him and he was telling me that he was working on some books and stuff like that and um he and he said yeah he goes i see you got great work and you know if, if anything comes comes my my way i'll you know, I'll, I'll give you a recommendation. And, uh, I ended up doing some variant covers for murder hobo. And then I ended up doing a six page backup story in chaotic neutral. And, um, from there he was like, I think, I think something's coming, uh, coming my way that you might be perfect for. He's like, you know, are you going to be, is your schedule open? And, um, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You guys have been awesome to me. Like, yeah, whatever you want, I'll, I'll jump in on it. And, um, immediately when i met with sean we just like clicked like everything just clicked and uh the, the story the characters the mindset of hyperkinetic and sean and the kind of attitude they have towards everything is very like they have a they have like a really good free range like idea uh uh kind of uh like guys going on in there and they just they, they just they're just amazing amazing people and um it was just it was great because the stuff i was sending over was just like you know i'm not not tuning my own horn but everything i sent over was just a home run with them and i was like this i'm like some some something's got to be up here because like everything <laughs> i'm sending in nobody's got any problems with like i don't have to change anything and there was very very minimal things that i had to change and that's when i said wow i said i was kind of like okay this is like a nice little tribe to be a part of and um ever since then i mean been working on the book for a while now since the beginning of uh 21 and um man every every step of the way has just been nothing but a great experience and sean's writing is just amazing too um i think the book you know i know that we've given people just the preview um but what we have set up in the first issue is just amazing writing. There's so much in there and it's, and it's, it's tailored so well. Um, I've, I haven't really read a script like that in, in a while um, that really kind of really gets the characters. That's the other thing too, that these characters, they're not just characters that are made overnight. These are characters that have a, an actual past I mean, they've been working a, a with following. Like, I've been yeah, having a following. Yeah. 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 There's this like fanfic already of the characters yeah. in our comics yeah. that's, that's yeah. been out for years from people who play the game. Yeah. yeah. Sean. Yeah. They've been working on this game, on this game for four years. So it's, it's not like they just kind of like said, Oh, we're going to make this character, that character and throw them in there. These are fully, fully, uh, you know, fully realized characters. And I think that's what kind of um, also uh, attracted me to the script is that you could actually, you know, feel what these characters are thinking and, and the actions that they're, that they're doing in the comic, you know, their, their motives and everything like that. Um, and I don't know, from there, it's just, it's, it's snowballed. And uh, 
I don't know. Me, me and Sean, I think we got something really special here. And I'm, on, and I'm on, I know everybody says that about their books and stuff like that, but I really feel like um, me being, me being put on the book was just, I don't know. It's just like, it's very serendipitous, like just yeah. how crazy it, 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 it happened. And, and you mentioned, you know, us liking everything you sent. And I, and I think this is a, a thing that uh, a trap that writers get into sometimes is in comics, especially I, I had a lot of comments. They say, I said, I see a lot of different approaches to scripts. And I think writers often get too locked into an original vision that they have for how everything mm. should look and feel and, and then try to make an artist draw what they see in their head. And yeah. that's not a, that's not a recipe for success. That's really not. Um, no. So I, I, I try to keep, uh, I, I don't form specific visual views on a lot of things. I, I, I know the essence of the character. And if the image that Steve sends me captures the essence of the character, even if the character looks different than I had maybe pictured a little bit, I'm just like, yes, that's exactly it. Um, mm-hmm. And by doing that, it lets him create, lets him tap into his own creativity and his own interests and what he does best and bring that out instead of trying to, you know, uh, recreate the exact thing that I've described in exacting detail. You know, it's like the lobby scene. Uh, we've got a double splash page in the first issue uh, that has the lobby of the fantastical crimes unit where there's like 150 characters, just total chaos yeah. and bedlam and everything. The script mentions about seven characters. It mentions uh, uh, it's a chaotic scene. Here are some of the things that could be happening, you know, and boom, just, you know, it's just some examples. And obviously had I tried to describe that scene and draw this and I want this to be this thing and this thing, it'd be, it would have been a nightmare, but yeah. by leaving an open canvas for him and just saying, these are some cool things that, you know, that would be fun to have in there and, and go nuts with it. We ended up with this crazy, you know, spectacle that, uh, I mean, he ended up drawing this double splash page on eight, 11 by 17 pages. So he could fit all the detail he wanted. It's a 44 by 34 original artwork for this double splash. Jesus. And That's that was insane. The, and it was a result of me not trying to get overly specific. That's entirely what led into it is I just yeah. let, I let him gave him the freedom to do what he wanted with it. And he chose to go crazy with it. And we got something great. If I, if I had tried to control that scene and make it exactly the way I'd envisioned it, when I wrote the script, it would have been a, a far lesser end result. Well, what are you oh. thinking when you get those beats, Steve, uh, when you get this, the this order for the splash page you know like here's a, a couple of ideas what's going through your head are you thinking i need to take this to the you know or above and beyond what was given do i need, i mean like what what's i don't because that, that, that it's insane what you did thank you <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell that to steve levine our colorist because he's uh he, <laughs> when he saw it he was not not that not that thrilled <laughs> but, but he he endured and uh he, i think he did a, an amazing job with it and we did we did pay it as eight pages of art which it actually was yes, rather than yes. two as well so that, yeah, that I, was, helped, I was i was, that I was lesson I, to hit a little bit yeah i was yeah, joking okay. the other the other day about that um but yeah no no they, they're hyper I, i'm really happy that they even i mean most most places would not even consider doing right. that right. i probably still would have done it but you know most places they don't do that um, but, um, I don't know, I, I, I try to, um, hold a certain, uh, 
quality to my work. And um, I think with this, because they let me just go crazy and everything was hitting the mark, it made the work environment Mm -hmm. that much more, uh, um, it was, it was basically, it was, it was like, it was like, it's like, you know, it's like going to an amusement park. What am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? And everything is working and everything's, you know, hitting the, hitting the right mark. So, so when Sean was giving me these kind of, no, I wouldn't say they weren't vague because not everything in the script is vague. Um, but when he gave me the the license to kind of go and do whatever, what I had to do, um, he was just like, yeah, like just go, go crazy. And I, it's funny because I, I, I am very much, um, I, I love comics and I love the art of comics. Like I love the art of storytelling. Um, and I know that <laughs> I, I kind of contradict myself because I, I, I do teach a class sometimes and I tell them that, you know, story is everything. It doesn't matter how well you can draw as long as you can tell a good story, that's what matters. And then they see my artwork and there's like a million trillion things going on. Look <laughs> um, <but>, at <laughs> all of this drawing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's like say, say as I do, not as I, yeah. Um, you know, say as, yeah. I forgot that. <laughs> I know Anyways. what you're saying, brother. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, so th- first of all, the script was just really good. It was just a very, very good script. And when I read through it, um, uh, I, I just it, it visualized everything while I was reading it. Um, and, and everything just kind of clicked. And the other thing is, too, is that uh, one of the things I, 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 we were always talking about with Sean was that uh, when originally he sent me over bios of the characters, he, you know, very, very, uh, he did this great move where he would put a little visual. So he'd tell you the character and um, the main character, Victor Marshall, uh, who's the, like the hard-boiled detective guy in it. He sent all these images of, you know, Humphrey Bogart and stuff like that. And then he sent one of um, Leslie Nielsen from the Naked Gun movies Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I was like, all right, this is where we're going. I get exactly, <laughs> exactly. I get exactly where where he wants to take this, and then from there, even the other characters, even a lot of the other characters in, in the in the story, um, he kind of you know had these little. I, I gotta say that was probably one of the one of the best things that as 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 somebody getting a script as an artist, that was just an amazing uh, little little yeah. tidbit to have. In no, let me actually explain the technique uh, for, for writers who are wondering, because yeah. uh, I've never done it before. This is the first time I've done it. I think it's super effective. Uh, when I'm doing character breakdowns at the very top uh, of each character section is I do a little pictograph that I'll pick four characters, four famous characters. And it is, you know, uh, like Amelia Mortalis, uh, who is the uh, animal loving necromancer who only reanimates animals uh, in the story is uh, a combination of uh, Snow White, Dot from Animaniacs, Drusilla from Buffy, and what was the, the I forget the fourth Lydia. one. Was it Lydia Dietz? Was, was it, or was it Wednesday Adams, maybe? No, Wednesday. Oh, man. But what it, what it does if, is it lets you, just at a quick glance, capture the vibe of the character. Yeah, and when I'm when I'm picking those those images, I'm I'm not thinking aesthetics at all. I'm not thinking visual. I'm not thinking it should look like these. You should draw it to look like these four characters. I'm picking the vibe of the image of that character, and it is a crazy effective way yeah. 
to, to give you a feel for who that person is at just the fastest glimpse possible. I, and I, as a writer, I, sometimes the instinct is to try and solve things with a mountain of words. And it can be counterintuitive to go the other way, but it's like way more effective. And, and, I, and I think as an artist, that's what also really gave me that nice little push with these characters um, is not trying to figure out, you know, sometimes as an artist, you want to kind of, you know, gorilla the project and make it all yours. But as we were talking about before, it's kind of a give and take. And that just was a real big help. And uh, I think if you didn't do that, there probably would have been more, probably more, a little more back and forth than, than, than we had. But I think that um, that just really solidified a lot of the, the story and characters and the vibe of the whole book. So, yeah. Yeah. I dig it, man. Uh, once again, I, I really do love how this just all perfectly came together. I mean, the, the way you, the way you guys, not just, the way you guys work together and the way you collab and you try and new methods of, you know, I don't know, man. It just, this is the, the, the perfect storm of <laughs> the new creativity right here, man. I, I, this is amazing. Uh, so um, I, now uh, tales from the fantastical crime unit. That's the, that's the uh, actual title of the story, right? Yeah. From, uh, so now you'll have to forgive my ignorance. I haven't played a video game outside of Injustice and I don't know how long. Um, but uh, and that's only because it was a comic book game. Um, but uh, I've got nothing against video games. I just got all of my time into comics right now. So I've, you'll have to forgive my uh, ignorance when I when I ask, I mean, where does the, the fantastical crime unit fall within the world of Epic Tavern for people that may be um, into the game and are slightly into the game or I, I, whoever your audience may be from here. Yeah, the, uh, the comic is designed to stand on its own. So you don't okay. have to know the game exists to enjoy the comic. You don't have Sweet. to, you know, they're designed to be their own thing. But the comic is built out of characters and locations and storylines. Uh, basically, you know, we've, we've got four years full-time that I've been writing in this story world, building the story world. So I've got this mountain of material behind me. So when we decided to make a comic, uh, it was just a, a question of kind of sifting through that mountain and saying which storylines are gonna fit the comic form best. So you're not shoehorning something in as a straight adaptation of it. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what pieces can I build something new out of that is the perfect shape for a comic series. So I kind of went through and, you know, we've got 160 playable heroes in Epic Tavern and I picked Damn. the five that are going to be, you know, the main <laughs> characters in the comic. And, and that process alone was like a, you know, that's a huge yeah, no, decision. 160 playable characters. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, man. I mean, yeah, that's, and, and that's I, the type and they of all shit have... that makes me want to pull out my phone and download a video game. Like that's, that's not the type of stuff the options I got when I played video games, 160 characters. And then you got to choose five. I mean, yeah. well, the thing huh. is the funny is for all those characters in the game, uh, every one of them has a, a backstory of at least 10 parts that unfolds as you get to know them. So just the, just the amount of writing I've done in this game, just novels and novels and novels and novels. Wow. So I had all of these great pieces to pick from. I didn't have to come up with anything. It was just combing through and finding all of my favorite things from years of writing to, to you know, build something new and, and, and cool with. And, uh, you know, one of, it, was, it was important to us that this, the, 
both stand on their own. You don't need to enjoy them, but that if you experience both, uh, that the experience is greater than the sum of its parts. And one of the ways we do that is uh, through some integration. Um, each of the 10 covers of the comic comes with an in-game reward. On the inside cover is instructions for what you need to do in Epic Tavern to unlock that, that, is, to unlock uh, that item. And, and it's all, all those items are referenced to the store that you bought that exclusive cover from. No shit. Yeah, so I design all the items for Epic Tavern. So I, I just let the store owners come up with what they wanted for the in-game reward, and then I built it for them in the game. Um, that is so cool, man. I mean, because yeah, on top I, of that, that's, I mean, I would imagine that's that's given some uh, shining some light on some comic book shops within the game. Right. I mean, exactly. and so, uh, so oh. and it encourage, encourages our, our players to go, you know, collect the various covers. So they can get the in-game rewards, too. And we're also just uh, entirely for just for fun. We built a, a, a kind of transmedia puzzle into both the comic and the game. So the comic book is the key to unlocking a secret ending to the main storyline of the game. And there's a series of clues that you can follow uh, from the comic into the game that'll tell, you, that'll tell you where to look in the comic to find the next clues for what to do in the game to unlock it. So it's this kind of uh, just fun, you know, it's something where you don't, uh, it's not required. You don't have to have the book to enjoy the game. You don't have to have the game to enjoy the book. But if you enjoy that crossover, there's some real depth in terms of how you can kind of play uh, not just the game, but the comic and have a lot of fun um, kind of bouncing back and forth, investigating on your own. That's I mean, that's brilliant marketing as well as just uh, groundbreaking storytelling as well. I mean, it's I love what you're doing, man. That's that's incredible stuff. I've, I've never heard of anything like this. You know, even Batman Fortnite, I think they had like their little downloadable code or whatever. But I mean, I, I'm not reading that because I didn't play Fortnite with this. I <laughs> Sure, I, I didn't play uh, Epic Tavern. But I mean, for one, it's got the Black Caravan logo on it, so I'm going to pick it up. But uh, <laughs> it's, it, 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 like, I mean, just reading the preview here, it doesn't feel like I need to have played the game at all exactly. to understand these characters in any way shape or form like it, it, it right. it's a comic book i mean that's what yeah, I mean, it, it is it was a conscious choice to not call the comic epic tavern yes we didn't we didn't want it to be a thing where someone looks at it and goes oh it's a game adaptation i don't play that game it's not for me yep. we never yep. we wanted to completely avoid that um and and have it be you know also i mean every medium is, is wildly different and the best storyline for Epic Tavern is not necessarily going to be the best storyline for a comic. And if you try and shoehorn it in and do a straight adaptation, that, that's not great either. You're really better off envisioning something new for that medium that, that's built to take advantage of it. Um, and the, the puzzle thing, we'd actually... Uh, I'm, <laughs> Sword Quest on the Atari is the only other instance I know of where there was a game and a comic that had a puzzle between them. But Sword Quest's fatal flaw is that uh, neither the game nor the comic were any good. They weren't enjoyable <laughs> on their own. They were just they were vessels to deliver the puzzle, and the puzzle yeah. was kind of fun. But neither stood on its own really as a, as an enjoyable yeah. experience. So it, avoiding that trap and having making sure that the comic was not just a gimmick for a puzzle, you know, or right. or just an advertising thing that that just was important. Like Batman Fortnite. Like I I don't mean to 
shed any type of shade on the people that made the comic, but as far as, you know, what DC did there, I mean, that's the people, I don't know anybody that's read the fucking book. Everybody just wanted a little square thing in there to get their, their, their skins. I mean, it's Fortnite players buying this book. Comic book readers are not buying this book. And that's, that's, that's the difference. And this is, (laughs) This is, I don't know, man. When you compare the two, like I'm sitting here going, oh, Batman, Fortnite, and then, you know, an Epic Tavern Scout book. I think yeah. the Scout book has a million times more potential. I do, just because I, it, it, well, our, people our are going to want to pick up the fucking sequel, you know, because yeah. I, I mean, you clearly have enough content to keep going with this. So if that were the, the instance, people are going to want to pick this up. The first Batman Fortnite issue, Sure, everybody went crazy for the first issue, but my shop has like 200 copies of number two, three, four, and five still sitting on the shelf because yeah. they realize it's it was a gimmick. It wasn't gimmick, a... Yeah. Uh, right. that's, that's, that's the tricky balance is yeah. when you want to do something that, that's kind of cool, like the puzzle and stuff, it's, it's very important that you not let that define you and overshadow the work itself. Yes. You know, or, or not let that con- creatively control the work even worse. That they, mm. you're actually you're just telling the story as a way to do the puzzle, and that's not no, and no, that's and, not a good approach. And 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 to be honest, you know, like we were talking about before about the you know being on a black being a black caravan label, is that um, you know I said this recently that Joe and Rich who are who are heading it or heading Black Caravan, they want quality. Like they're not just gonna crap out just whatever is going to be popular or whatever you know whatever is going to sell they want you know they want it to be good and you know i think sean you even said it you've had books that come across that that were like oh yeah this is good but then you're like they were like no because they're very they're very picky as to what they want on their on their label Mm -hmm. and and that's and that's true because i think it it kind of it's an indicative it's indicative to them as creators as to what they want to put out and um, I, I personally, you know, I, I, I trusted Joe when Joe said this is like a video game thing. And I, I know Joe is, is, you know, he can, he can, he can curate very well. And, um, and for what he wanted, um, I, 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 I was never like, oh, well, this isn't going to work. Um, I said, if Joe's going to, Joe's going to pick this, you know, handpick this and say, this is going to work for their, for their, their, um, their label I, I knew it was going to be quality and it was like right out the gate so um i don't know those those guys they just have a really good they just have a really good vibe and they really kind of know what's going on um but yeah yeah no um they're uh, the, the the title of you know just scout in general it's it's so suiting for what they are because they're they're not just uh everybody gets i mean they're, they are they're, they're a talent scout company they they only want quality, and that's that's why I, I I'm so fixated on everything they do is because I've yet to be disappointed. And even if Scout has put something out that wasn't for me, that doesn't mean it wasn't good. It just means it wasn't for me. I mean, there's there's an audience for every single thing they put out, from Stanley the Snowman to Murder Hobo. I mean, uh, that's <laughs> there's a crossover that needs to yeah, happen. that's that's yeah, that, yeah. That should be a Still needs a murder robot. Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, um, it, it sounds like fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. But I mean, it's just it, to 
to know that they 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 chose this to uh, to to be allowed, and I, I I say that word allowed to have the black caravan logo on it. I mean, it says a lot because I mean, I've I've been reading Scouts and Scouts been putting out comics, and I get damn near every single thing they put out, and um, I like I said, I just this looks like so much fun. I cannot wait to see what this looks like colored. I mean, oh. I, I didn't even dawn on me reading this ash can that there's going to be color. And this, anybody that listens to this podcast know that I have, I have a hard time with just grayscale comics, but with this, I breezed through this. And then I was like, Oh shit, there's not even color yet. So I mean, it just, it just makes me mm, <laughs> not, that much more excited. No, oh, that lobby, have you seen the lobby scene colored? That double splash no, page not colored. colored. No, oh, not we'll colored. send that over to you. Woo. Oh, oh it's man. Madness. Yeah. Madness. Uh, I, he's got that gun. He's not still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we've already he gone was working on it for a while. He yeah, was working on it for a while. He was, yeah, he was. He would, he would, he would send me messages and be like, "I'm still working on this little guy. Why did you, why did you make this guy? Now I, I didn't, I didn't even. He would, he would start because he colored literally every character in the lobby scene. So he would just find people he forgot were there. And he'd be like, oh, shit, I almost forgot this guy. And then, you know, he's he's not not a grumpy old man. But he was was (laughs) like, you know, there's this guy that I totally missed near, you know, the dragon's tail or whatever. And now we got to call this guy. He's like another one I forgot to, another one I didn't see. So like this, yeah, we have a whole, it's like a Where's Waldo meets. uh, That's uh, that's exactly what was going through my head, man, was Where's Waldo? I just don't know what I'm looking for because it's all of it. It's just a a sight to behold. It's all just there's so much going on and it's all so interesting. And yeah, and and I love I love the juxtaposition where we're coming from the page turn where the opening is this classic kind of gritty noir. You know, he's like Victor Marshall's trying to be so cool and the contained detective. And then as soon as he opens the door, just carnage. Yeah, it's complete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it really does set the, the mood for the book. I mean, it lets you know that this is, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to have fun. It, it, there's there's all, anything can happen. And I don't know, man, it's just all of this. It, it, it sounds like so much fun. The way you guys marketed this, like I said, if, if, if this would have, you know, come through as uh, Epic Tavern, Tales from the Fantastical Crime Unit, I don't know. I mean, I might not have been as inclined to open it up because I would have associated with a, a mobile app game. But no, no. I mean, the, the, after reading the comic, and I'm not just saying this, after reading the comic, and you saying that there's over 160 playable characters and all of this stuff, I really am inclined to open this game up and just see what the hell it's about. You know, because it, it, it seems like a lot of fun. And I mean, uh, the, the, the this second, second issue, we have even more stuff like we're, we're working on the second issue right now. And it's just it's Crazy. like we we are we were so happy with the first issue. But the second issue is just it's I think it's going to really it's not going to be one of those things where it's, you know, the first issue is good. And then the second issue kind of goes down. It's actually upping a lot of things and we're even going to like you know do a lot more maybe a lot more characters i will i mean the, maybe not there no. maybe won't be another not another uh no. <laughs> but there will be something along those lines i think in the next one because i do want to have that kind of i want there to be something in a book because not, nothing nothing frustrates me more than when you get a first issue and it's drawn beautifully and then you get the rest of the issues and they're just like some they're just like eh 
like the you can, yeah well you can feel and, and I get the, it you, I you get can, it it like, can be tough you can almost hear the clock of the deadline when you're reading the subsequent issues mm-hmm. and watching the quality drop and you know that yeah, was the yeah. difference between the first one we had as much time as you want to kind of get it together and everything yeah you and got then the, subsequent you pitch ones the pilot. start working on deadline as, as things start yeah 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 no it's uh people i i think it's something a lot of uh, readers don't necessarily understand and I mean, a lot of times the first issue is done or near done when it comes time, you know, to to say this is what I have to the publisher. But when they yeah. say I like it, I want more. I I mean, you you don't have that entire lifetime building up to that. <laughs> you, no, you, right. now you just got to do everything you just did again in 30 days or 60 yeah. days or whatever the deadline is. Yeah, the, the, the way I always like to refer to it is the uh, saw phenomenon is how I think of it. Mm. That the first Saw movie came out and it was this you know indie film that, that made a ton of money and it was this giant hit and they and it was this one-off. They made the short film and they decided to make a feature version and there we made it and that was good. And then it became this monster hit and several months after they'd wrapped production and, it's, and now it's out, the studio's like, okay, we need another one for next Halloween. Yeah. And they have no script. They're not planning to do it. Yeah. They, so now they've got to cobble together a script that they can go into production on six weeks from now so they can get it out by next Halloween. And then that one does well. And suddenly they need another one for the next Halloween. And now they're building extensions onto a house with no plans, you know, that they're now seven extensions into this house that was supposed to be a standalone. And it just starts getting more rickety and out of control. And the, you know, the foundations are cracking and because it just wasn't wasn't built for that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then you, and then you take out the emergency, the emergency uh button which is chris rock yeah <laughs> when in doubt they're like we need chris rock in case of emergency in case chris of emergency chris, oh, chris rock out of there i don't know yeah that was i was a weird i don't know but I, I didn't make it that far into the uh into the phenomenon let's put it that way congratulations <laughs> i'm proud of that i'm real proud of it so you didn't have to <laughs> yeah yeah oh uh, no but i i like that you i mean you guys you, you learn from other people's mistakes and you know it's uh it, i'm excited to see where you guys go i don't feel like this is a series that's you know i, I use the term dropping a deuce the first issue is awesome the second issue <laughs> takes a big old dump i've never heard that term that's great and, and it's uh, uh, but I, I i don't feel like that's here like i feel like the excitement you know you a lot of I, 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 I judge it a lot based off of the artist's enthusiasm a lot of time. You don't seem burnt out. And no. that's that's what gets me excited. Um, I mean, anybody in their right mind would fucking be burnt out after this issue. dude. <laughs> and here you are seemingly just as excited to talk about drawing the second issue and continuing to take the storyline further. And that 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 gives me all the indications and. A, a solid series, not just a, a, a nice preview. You know, I mean, so don't, don't get me wrong. The, the important was... difference is, is Steve's not drawing my story. He's drawing our no. story. Yeah. We're, we're crafting yes. this thing together. It's not that he's following a set of orders and grinding through work. He's creating a thing himself. Yeah. And no, and that'll of... definitely slow down any signs of burnout. That's for damn sure. You know, cause... and it's kind of like that, that Jack Kirby thing where he was kind of like, I remember there's that quote from him saying, you haven't found what you like to draw. And, uh-huh. um, you know, I think that's what kind of, not that I'm anywhere near that kind of artist. Um, but it seems like if you look at his life and things that he was creating, he was making the stuff, everything he wanted to was basically the stuff he wanted 
to draw. Um, and I mean, everybody at first, when they're an artist and they first start out, you have to, you know, take your L's and you have to kind of just, mm. you know, uh, be a hired hand. But I think, you know, like I said, uh, when we started working on this, they just let me that you want to draw monsters, you want to draw weird looking golem guys sliding around on uh, jellyfish go for it. Like it, it, it does, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, it, you know, um, you want to draw like, you know, a, a passed out, a passed out mouse on, on a, on a staircase, go for it. So um, they oh, weren't, you know, over my shoulder telling me, don't draw that weird stuff. It's too weird. Don't draw that or, you know, draw it this way. They were just like, yeah, go, go do what you want to do. And that I think really um, that really gets, that really gets your creative juices going. Um, and I think too, also, uh, you know, Sean being the writer he is, is very flexible. And I know that one of the, the main things too, that Sean, me and Sean kind of went over is that he does like a, a second pass after it's done just to mm. kind of like make sure. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the editor, uh, the editor. Yeah, and it's the editor in him. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> it, it's, it's actually way more extensive than that. I, I think, uh. I think it's a it's a really overlooked opportunity in a lot of comics that writers don't do is when pages come back, the first thing I do is put placeholder letters on them. That nobody but me is gonna see these letters. I'm not they're not, you know, we'll bring someone on to actually do the real ones. But the Rob first Jones thing I do <laughs> Rob Jones, who's awesome. Um, but the first thing I do is put the words on the page, see how they look, move them around, change stuff. I'll spend weeks rewriting after the artwork comes in just moving things around and adding little caption bubbles and just fine tuning mm -hmm. and fine tuning and fine tuning. And I do a ton of that. I mean, the, the rewrites are, are uh, they're little changes, but they're, I make a lot of them yeah. uh, before it goes to lettering. And I think a lot of books, the, uh, the pages come back and then they just send the script along with the artwork to lettering without even considering after seeing the artwork and the layout of the pages and the panels, is there anything that I didn't envision when I wrote the initial script that I should consider now before locking in the words? And the answer is mm. obviously yes. On every page, the answer is going to be yes. Yeah. And if you just assume, these are my words, I wrote the script, this is put, put those on there and we're done. You're really missing an opportunity to make your oh, work and better. the and the, the, the ego on you is, uh, <laughs> I mean, to, to, to think that it's uh, the first draft is, you know, the, the thing that's uh i don't know i mm, but you know it, it's not uncommon at all that that that's a standard for a right. lot of uh a lot of titles out there like i i'm not gonna name any titles out there but this particular new comic book day there was two or three instances it was like was there no editor i mean what what <laughs> Uh, and like I said, I'm not going to name names by any means, but it, it, they're, they're clearly somebody didn't reread their own work, you know, and it's mm -hmm. it, it, to know that I mean, to uh, as a as a reader myself to hear the creator talk about how important it is to go through and fine tooth all of that stuff. I know there, there, I've heard writers before with the mentality of, you know, just don't overthink it. But this is your Crazy fucking career. Yeah, don't overthink <laughs> the shit out of it, man. Right. Like this is exactly. this is yeah. your baby. This is your art. You know, this isn't Jackson Pollock. You know, you're not just throwing shit at a fucking thing and just hoping that the everything comes together. No, this is a comic book. This is a different kind of art. You need to have a hundred percent investment in every single goddamn 
corner of every panel. And yeah, it's, it's so you, important. You look at the artwork, you see the you see the detail work that Steve puts in. You see the mm-hmm. thought that he's putting into every panel. To do less than that as a writer is disrespectful. Yeah. You you really need to thank you. You need to go through it the same way an artist does and you know dig into your own words and, and tear things apart and examine them and and decide it, it's not even uh, a question of if it's a question of in what ways uh, can I now improve this story that I couldn't before it was drawn? There are always, there are always ways because there are new opportunities once you see, you know, how the words look on the page. I would imagine. And that, letters that... complain a lot too, that people use lettering as the first draft, that they'll send the script off and then they get the lettering back and then they have a ton of changes because they don't like how it looks on the page. That's, that's disrespectful to your letterer too. You should yeah. solve all those problems before you bring the pro in. Don't yep. waste their time laying out a page that isn't going to be right. You should oh. do that yourself first. Make those mistakes. Realize what you did wrong. Correct everything. Readjust the script so it now reflects all the changes you've made to it. And send yep. that to your letterers so the first draft is the correct one. I would imagine that that mentality that you have comes a lot from writing comedy bits man because you can't just like write down a joke and the first time it's going to be funny like there's so many things to a joke that makes it perfect the honing whether and it's honing the, and honing over years oh the, yeah. the the tone like the the pitch in a single word like the, the, the delivery i mean there's there's such a science to, to to writing comedy that is just so fucking far beyond me that i'll never be able to understand but i do understand that it's there and, well, it's interesting, actually, the, uh, you know, the era that I came up in in particular, uh, now stand-up comics, the, the kind of thing is you, you do a new hour every year and then you throw it away and move to the next one. But right. when I was coming up, that wasn't the case. And uh, a comic would build their hour and they would tour with that for 20 years. That was, so they, there was this thing that would happen in Boston, especially. I mean, Kenny Robinson, I think, is still doing the same set he's been doing for 25 years. And it's every second of it is honed to a razor's edge mm-hmm. because he's been fine tuning it for decades. And oh, yeah. just every pause is exactly right. And every, and modern comedy is, is more the crank up more new material and stuff like that. But I, I came up in the area where you worked a joke for years, you know, and yeah. you, you just over and over and over and you, you sand down the rough edges and you, you find the way to, to perfect it. And yeah. I think that was a I, useful practice. Yeah, no, it, it's nice to see that re- reflecting into comics. You know, it's a standard that I would like to see more. Tell all your comedy writing friends to come in and write comics and change the whole goddamn game, man. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I think the other thing is too is that it's it's an indie book. We have that yeah. we have that luxury, um, and I think you know, unfortunately, with the big two you're working in this big machine you're in this machine. yeah but it's such this yeah. big machine it's such this yeah. tiny little sandbox yeah and, and i mean i'm not time. i'm not i'm not saying that you don't have to put in quality i'm not saying that you have to put out crap all the time but i think with independent books as we've as we've seen in the last few decades you you get people don't mind that's another thing too people don't mind you know waiting around for an extra month for a book if it's going to be a quality book if you're putting out something that's worth its you know, $5 or whatever ticket, uh, uh, you know, price tag. I think people don't mind that. I think that was the thing that people were afraid of. I know growing up, that was like one of the things that in a lot of independent books, people were worried about that. Um, but I think now you have, you can find an audience. If you can find the audience, people who are really willing to are going to stick out that journey with you. And there are, um, 
in, in any, in any genre of comic. Um, and if you're putting out the quality, they're going to know it. They're going to know, you know, people, people can smell the bullshit. They know when it's not. Oh, yeah. good. And I think the best thing about, um, about what we're doing is that, you know, if you can't tell, we're both very excited for this book and we we're very passionate about it. And I think I, we, we hope that that kind of comes out in what we're putting out. And I, I, I think it does. So, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, you could see the excitement throughout the pages, man. You can read the excitement and and, and the script. It's it, it's there. These these characters have clearly been worked to perfection. I mean, they've they've been molded into the ultimate comic book characters at this point. And I don't know, man. I'm like I said, I'm excited for everything you guys are doing. I, I uh, for I mean, for what you're getting ready to do with Scout. Like I said, uh, being the first video game IP coming into uh, this publisher, it's gonna be big. It, it really is. Um, it's <laughs> uh, trailblazing, guys. This is I, I'm so excited for you. Um, thank you. This is amazing. Uh, I, I I can't wait to see this thing and all of its twenty two page glory 24 page glory whatever 26 page glory 26 page glory i i knew you guys were gonna fucking take it to another (laughs) goddamn level (laughs) oh man and 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 with all of the beautiful colors i i can't wait to see it all man um when is the first issue due october 27th i believe awesome yeah not far away now at all yeah, and uh, right, right around the Halloween time, we get that nice. Yeah. Little, you know, they 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 did they they did us really well. They they kind of you know put us in a nice spot for this. So I think that was really nice, really you know uh, accommodating of, of Scout too. Hell yeah! Um, what what are some of the shops doing exclusives on this? Oh, uh, let me pull up the list so I don't miss anybody. <laughs> yeah no that, that, uh, it's so awesome what you guys are doing to like build it into the game at the same time they give notoriety to the shops like that's another just i keep using the term groundbreaking i feel like i'm overusing it now but at the same time i i feel like i'm using it perfectly because that's what the hell you guys are doing like the things yeah. that nobody else is doing and, and, and sean's been important. sean's been very hands-on too you know sean and i we try to we're trying to be hands-on with with the with the shops you know um and it's not just going to be one of these things where we pump out you know you pump out one of those like spam emails and it's like do you want your shop to be part of our comic book and then we right. just paste on you know you cut and paste something on into the book mm-hmm. um we're doing something that is literally you know crafted for that shop which i think is a, really special you know i think that was sean i think that was your your idea sean and, and that was just i think that was yeah really, really yeah giving, giving them just a uh, an in-game reward is just like a little thanks for ordering yeah. the variant covers is kind of fun uh yeah so there's the stores we've got and, and some of the covers we have uh for hyperkinetic studios we decided to get our own variant cover uh that we nice. get scott koblish from deadpool and a million other things um to do a, a grisilla mara soccer cover that we love so much uh yeah. it came out so good uh izzy's comics and galahad got a cover by clint kaiser uh ecgc got a wraparound cover by enzo garza that's really cool uh nice. basically did enzo did his take on our lobby scene so he did yeah. this big chaotic wraparound yes. it's it's wonderful i love uh, it jetpack comics got a cover by rich woodall uh cbsn got a cover by uh marto and levine uh, we did an Atari variant cover that's made to look like the adventure cartridge from the old uh, Atari one. Um, Coast City Comics got a cover by Steve Levine. 
Big Pete's collectibles got a cover by John Gallagher. That's that's really cool. Amazing. Um, yeah, so we've got a bunch of yeah, we got a bunch of them coming. That's so awesome, man. That's so yeah. awesome, and it's not that's not just a couple of shops that you incorporated in this. Yeah, I mean that's it's like a half a dozen. I mean that's uh, if not more. I I, I lost count. It's, it's so yeah. cool. It really ten is. total covers. Yeah. Oh shit! Hell yeah, man. Oh, I this book. <laughs> It's going to catch fire, guys. It is. I mean, this is, it's going to have a lot of eyes on We're it. I, I mean, it's, it's just brilliant what, the, the way you're doing it all. I mean, you're going to have the, 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 the video game players into it. I, I already think that the, the trend of comic readers now playing the video game, this guy, it might, it might already be starting, man. Like I said, I, it's, it's not very often I have, uh, uh, I don't know. It just seems cool. It, it does. It, I mean, is this a is this a all ages game or rated teen and up or I mean, I would probably I would imagine the, game, the game's all ages. It is yeah. awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, one of the things uh, the, the uh, obviously there's graphic components and you know and that sort oh, of thing, sure. but the storytelling itself, all the quests and stuff, is is text. So what we found is uh, there are a lot of people who play it with their kids as a reading tool. You know, that when kids, you know, so there, there are a lot of kind of, you know, grade school and middle school kids who play Apple Tavern. And I'm always mindful of that when I write it. I'm not writing it as a kid's story, but mm-hmm. I'm aware of the fact that kids are going to be, you know, that there are going to be some people who are sitting with their kid on their lap while their child is reading the text out loud to them. Yeah. So I don't want to put anything in there that, that would be awkward, you know, that, you know, you wouldn't want a child, you wouldn't want your kid reading to you. That's so I just focus on great storytelling and, and try to uh, avoid things that are, you know, potentially problematic. And, you know, it's, it's right. a crazy fantasy world. You don't have to, you know, you, you can still get, uh, you know, pretty dark without, you know. Yeah, we were we were we were talking about that originally. Yeah, we were talking about that originally when we first started kind of doing this. And you we were saying how, um, you know, we want we, we both kind of run that. Even even myself, when I was drawing, I know some of it is kind of weird and I have monsters in it and stuff like that. But we're, we, I think what we did really well with this book is we gave it that, that nice little tightrope between it not being a corny, like, you know, Disney film, mm-hmm. um, but not being, you know, Saw. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right, and, right. And yes, and that and that can be that can be we're having every be, female character obviously yeah. contorted around to, to show off everything all the time. Which yeah, is just, exactly. We wanted to be respectful of the people who were playing it and respectful to the characters and respectful to everything. Respectful like, to the characters. That that's yeah, and then, that's and, a big and part. In this, and in this world, you know, um in the re, in, in this world, if it's gonna be some sort of grounded world, you wanna make it that way. So you don't wanna kind of over over glamorize all these all these things um but i think that that was one of the as, as an artist that was one of the things that i kind of um it wasn't it wasn't a challenge but i did i liked the idea that okay because my my art i think kind of lends itself to this to the story very very well in that oh, sense yeah. that we're it's not perfect. trying to overdo it because i've had you know people you know um that's the thing i i have i have a child too and i want my child to read my mm-hmm. comics and stuff like that, you know, um, and, and look at my con, look at my work. Um, even though my daughter is always like, daddy, why are you always drawing monsters? Why don't you draw anything? (laughs) You know, but, but she, but she, she, she does enjoy some of the stuff I do, the goofy stuff. And I think that, um, you know, knowing that I can give this to my daughter or grade school kids can read it and play the game, I think is also just opening up another door 
for readers. And um, I'm really happy about that too. I mean, I know, I know Black Caravan has the, has the, uh, has, has a lot of stuff that's, that, that can be, that can be pretty, pretty out there, but, yeah. um, but, but I, but I, but, but that, I mean, I have nothing against that. I think like, you know, Cherry Blackbird is an amazing comic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a great comic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but we're, we're kind of, but that opening is of, something. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's my first we're, issue. Uh, starts with a bang. Yeah. I guess it does. Literally. <laughs> hmm. But we're, but we're trying to kind of take that take that that fantasy element and just kind of make it into something that that literally it's its own thing and and but still but still fits in that realm of the Black Caravan label. Yeah, no, I I, I think it fits nice. It definitely has the I don't know. There's it, it's whimsical in a sense that yeah, no, I, I would have no problem showing this to my daughter at all. But yeah. at the same time, you know, it's it's something that I as an adult have no problem reading guilt free. Yep. by myself right. you know it's yeah that's always it's the same approach i have at Epic tavern in that it, it's it's not written for children but it's appropriate for them. yeah that's that's the way i approach it yeah. and i'm always writing it with you know i write what i want to read you yeah, know that's yeah. just, just by default you know so my target audience is 50 year old men who are me um <laughs> 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 but i try to also uh you know it, and i think sometimes like, there can be an inclination to try and go overly, you know, uh, gritty or shocking or that sort of thing without considering what it costs you to do that. Mm. And is your project better off for, you know, and sometimes the answer is yes. You know, I've certainly done horror stories that were, that were pretty intense and, and that was the right move. Um, But this is the kind of comics that we could have for really no gain of our own gone darker with. Yeah. And alienated a lot of potential readers without really gaining anything for it, you know? Yeah. 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 Just to be a, a little edgy for an audience that you already had just a smaller part of it. Yeah. You know, I, no, I mean, I, I, I like the direction you went there. I really did. You know, I feel like there's, I'm not saying there's enough out there. I mean, I still want people to create balls to the wall craziness. No oh, doubt hell yeah. about it. Oh yeah. yeah. I, 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 I love yes. that. Absolutely. But I, I don't feel like there's enough, balance to this level out there right yes. now and that's that's yeah. that's another reason why this book is important it is this well, is like, an important book it, it's it's something special with comics guys it really is i i hope you realize what it is i i, I don't know if you guys are going to get the chance to go on the con circuit at all this year to celebrate this book but um hmm, i have I'm a feeling it's going to be very well received we're hoping that maybe 22 be a be a, go to some shows yeah. and things like that um you know, yeah, this, this year was just a little. Yeah, this year was this year. Oh, was I don't blame you. Stuff. Yeah, um, not like there's a whole lot of options anyway. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah. But um, no. When that when that contour does come for you, I really do believe that it's you're going to be overwhelmed with handshakes. I do. Uh, it, well, the, yeah. Well, the thing that's going to be fun now is that uh, conventions have totally changed since I started writing games. Because yeah. now, if I'm going to be at a convention uh, selling the comic. I'll have Epic Tavern playing on, you could just sit and play it at our booth too, you know? So you, you could do a much more uh, fun thing where you're not just here by my shit, you know, to everybody yep. who walks by, yeah. you can go here, just sit and play and enjoy the game and, you know, have, have some fun. It, it be, Conventions become much more fun when you have uh, a game experience to offer that you're asking nothing for in return. It yeah. just changes the interaction and then people want to support you and buy what they can on their way out. But you don't yeah. have to feel like you're pushing that. So it's it's a it's a 
real advantage, uh, not just in terms of, I think, helping with sales maybe a little, but in terms of the experience and the toll it takes on you to not have to be pitching all the time. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's something that me and Sean have both, I think, it, in, in just our, our, our conversations with each other. That's something that at, at conventions we've kind of talked about is that, you know, you have the guy that's like, jumping in front of the, mm-hmm. the 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 booth and he's like hey buy this he's like throwing books at you and stuff Can i take like, your yeah, picture holding my like, comic you know that yeah. guy yeah <laughs> yeah like he's like he's selling a used car or something and it's like yeah. and we don't want to be those people because we're because we're not those people we want you to genuinely if you genuinely come to and that's the thing I, that's why i love conventions so much is that i genuinely love talking to people and even if it's even if it's not even about the stuff I'm selling, just in general, to have a conversation right. with somebody about art and about pop culture and about the stuff that they like to me is just it's it's fantastic. I love that interaction with the kind of like like minded people. And um, I don't know. And I, I'm really looking forward to this now that we have I, we, we, I did Granite, uh, Granite State um, a, a, a few weeks back and I had the preview there and people were very interested and it was just great seeing their reaction to it. And um, uh, it was it was very rewarding in the sense of that our 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 enthusiasm is coming out in it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, when this thing drops, I'm going to be nonstop y- y- yapping about it. It's going to be busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's going to be um, busy. I, yeah. So. As well, you should, too, because this is definitely something to be excited about. You guys... Like I said, you really do have something special here. It's not just a great comic that you're making. It's just all all the different new ways you're going about bringing it to life. I mean, it's on so many different levels and layers. This comic is so many different things. So I'm... I I can't wait to see what this comic actually does when, when it hits the market and the masses get a hold of it and we uh, i don't i don't know man i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how many printings this thing goes into you know it's <laughs> this is a <laughs> this is fun stuff guys um man i, I really I, honestly as as a as a reader and a fan thank you because this is going to spark all types of just newness from all other creators and even if there's a oh. bunch of people that try to copy what you did here and there right. will be. There's going to be a bunch of people that are going to try to copy what you did here. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Clash of Taverns or what a Clash of Clans or whatever the fuck those games are. <laughs> they're going to be hitting up <laughs> fucking IDW in no time going, I want the goddamn Mythic Tavern money. And <laughs> it's coming, seriously. But I don't think that that's not a bad thing. Because once again, it's, oh, no. just, it's bringing more people from one fan base into another and it, we don't have to have this fucking divide of oh you're a video game nerd you're a comic book nerd no right. we like the same shit it's, yeah you just it's, love a good story <laughs> yeah it, it, we're just fans and i don't know man this is uh and, and, and we also have the nice like the the D rpg aspect oh of it oh yeah not to mention like, all of that as yeah. well like the the yeah. the glaring obvious fan base that's a hundred percent going to be into this. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't. I don't even know how I didn't mention that. Uh, probably because it's just the low hanging fruit. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's going to be coming from all angles, guys. I can't. Uh, I'm excited for you. I'm gonna keep saying that, but that's that's because I mean it. Um, do you guys uh, have social media handles where the people can follow you? I know you do. Yeah, uh, uh, Tales from the Fantastical <laughs> Crimes Unit is on Facebook. I love it. I 
you can find me on Twitter as, as uh, the Sean French and Epic Tavern is on all the channels. Um, the easiest way to, to reach the Epic Tavern crew is we do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Just look oh, for cool. us on there. We, we stream development of the game and answer questions yeah. and talk. And then every Thursday on Discord, uh, our Epic Taverns, we do a dev chat, just an open audio chat uh, with myself, uh, Tomo Morawaki, who is the creative director of Spider-Man 2, and whoever shows up. And we talk game design, we talk storytelling, whatever people want to talk about that day, uh, every Thursday on Discord. You can just pop in and, and talk. It's a small group, low pressure, um, and, and just to hang out. And then Tomo is, you know, one of the best game designers ever. I mean, he's, he's wow. legendary. He's worked on, you know, every great franchise. And he's wow. just there to answer questions for people who, you know, uh, once a week. So that's a ton of fun. Uh, Steve, where can that's people awesome. find you? Yeah, and I'm at uh, Steve Motto Art on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, you know, all that all that fun stuff. Um, and yeah, and sometimes I'll pop into the, uh, to the Twitch thing and, uh, you know, uh, I... I <laughs> Yeah, to- Tomo is a brilliant man. So kind of just l- listening to him talk, him and him and Sean, my brain just melts sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's just like, wow, I, I don't know, Jack. <laughs> but, but no, but they're, they're, they're really smart guys. And I'm just really happy to be around them because uh, it makes, it makes, that's the thing too. You don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Um, right. And, mm-hmm. and I think, and I think. It'll uh, drive you that, mad. Like yeah, it, and, and the thing is, when you're young, but it drives you mad. When you're young, that is an experience that feels good for your ego, so you kind of want to seek it out. But it yeah. can be really destructive because you end up with people who don't challenge you or push you or anything. And that's, that's one of the things I love about hyperkinetic is I'm always the dumbest guy in the room. Like it's uh, just everybody there are these these brilliant engineers and you know just massive experience with AAA. And I just feel like I'm always a little bit over my head, which is like a really good place to be creatively, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's, those are very wise words that I, I hope the listeners don't, don't take loosely. I mean, because that, that that's, I mean, being a creator, you don't want to be like, even beyond being the, the smartest person, you don't want to be the most talented person in the room. I mean, you, right. you just constantly want to just surround yourself with people that are better than you yeah. and I don't know. I, I I I like that you brought that up, Steve. That's 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 wise, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's well, it's one of those things. It's been through my whole career of me learning how to how to be how to be uh, better at my craft. Is that you? You always there's always something else. There's always a better artist. There's always a better storyteller, and you just you just try to be the best that you can be. You know, what I mean, I mean, we all have our influences. We all have the the artists that we. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge Jeff Darrow fan. Mm. um i've met him uh, on an occasion and he was just so awesome but it was funny because he was so you know um he 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 was just he was i don't want to say insecure but like you know he's like oh i just do this i just do what i do (laughs) you know what i mean it's like you just do what you do it's like you you've done stuff for like the matrix and you know (laughs) major movies dune and like you know i mean like stuff like i mean and 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 you do these great comic books and you're just kind of like eh, you know like well I, I try but it's never the best it's never like it's never what what i really see in my head and it's like wow that's crazy so to hear stuff like that coming from somebody who you look at as the master as um it's just it's interesting and and it's always one of those things where yeah i think there's always room for improvement even if you're at your highest level um yeah. you can always learn something new 
and and have a, and get a different take from it. So, um, and I and I think that's what happens with a lot of artists too is that sometimes they get to a point and it's like, you know, they don't want to learn anymore. And uh, yeah. you know, life is just about learning. And uh, you know, you don't really you don't really know everything until I guess you're you're <laughs> finished. But um, yeah. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Honestly, but working with them has been awesome. Working with, with working with like I said, I can't I can't you know thank uh, Joe and all of the, and all them for you know hooking me up with Sean and, and doing this book because it really it's 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 created a little uh, that extra spark of creativity that um you know it, uh, that definitely has shown. So that's that's awesome, man. This is. Uh... This really has been one of my favorite conversations this year, guys. And I've, I've done it's been fun. quite a few of these. This is, uh, I mean, there, <laughs> there, there's just, I got so much out of this. Cause I mean, like I said, I don't, I'm not in the video game world to, so ha to, to have that come in and just, I mean, everything just opened up for me just now, like to, to know, I, I don't know, like I, all, all of the stuff that I've been gushing about for the last almost 90 minutes now, it's, it's, this, uh, I don't know. Like groundbreaking really is the key word in this uh, in this podcast because you guys are doing things that I, I don't know. I, I I didn't see possible. You know, I mean, I'm not looking towards these things because I, I don't have that creativity in me that you guys do. But uh, it's I don't know, man. It really, as a not as a reader, thank you because it's it's all getting ready to change and great ways because of you guys in this book uh, and i i'm i i really do mean that uh, this Thank is you. good this is great stuff all right guys i i think i've i've kept you on the line long enough i know you guys have amazing things to continue to create we need issue uh two and three and uh, how long are you guys going to go with this five issues on the first series well we, sure. gotta, we, we do have a story arc right you the story arc that that you're we kind of plan out for what sean or or yeah, it's, it's three or four. Cool. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll right kind of we'll kind of see whether we want to do uh, that that third story. Maybe it's you know, maybe, maybe it's a two part. Maybe it's a little bit longer. You know, it, it's a question of whether we we want to go to a trade after three issues or four. Understood. We go to a trade after three, then maybe we do a, a third issue that's a little bit longer, and you know, yeah. You know, so, so who knows? But yeah, I think three three or four is, is kind of the target area we're looking at right yeah. now. Um, oh yeah, man. And one of the advantages of, of each story kind of being its own standalone thing is that we're not crazy rushed to get the yeah. next one out. People can can enjoy yeah. the story start to finish in in the first issue. That's that's a full case that you can you can read the conclusion of, and it's fully settled. And the next issue will be another full case. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I think that I think that helps too, and alleviates a little bit of the pressure to uh, you don't have readers that are annoyed waiting to find out. The, yeah. the rest of the story you're leaving them at a satisfying place with each issue i dig it man i dig it once again just wise marketing on top of all the all of the other brilliant things that are happening with this book all right fellas really it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and i i'm fairly certain this will not be the last time we'll be chatting on this on the show because awesome. it's awesome this was a lot of goddamn fun and this i know great. this is yeah. just the uh the, the the tip of the iceberg yes. wants to come with you guys. I can't wait to talk to you when you're all super massively successful <laughs> and too busy to come on this podcast. And I'm having to beg you. I, I can't I, wait. Yeah, when I when I have a fur coat and gold teeth and well, just 
I'll just it's coming. I mean, I'll my camera on. Yeah, <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> um, oh man, I dig it. I dig it. Well, fellas, really, uh, thank you so much for all of your time. And uh, thank you. We'll 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 be chatting soon. You you guys stay safe. Yeah, we'll definitely send over the, the the colored the colored uh, lobby scene. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Oh yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see that, man. I can't wait. I'm so excited. All right, fellas. Well, right. well, we'll 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 be talking soon. Cheers. In a world of utter randomness, one podcast stood out from the bunch, and it was the amazing world of talking shiz. <coughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, it's just mainly randomness. And focus is definitely not being not focused there. on at all. No. Uh, our podcast is definitely um, no theme at all it's literally random and talk about literally everything and throwing in random jokes at any given time yeah. we're on spotify apple and google podcasts hey. so go ahead tune in new episodes weekly and we're international international very yes. very well so tune in follow yeah. us on twitter see you there Well, there you have it. Another episode in the books. Another couple of creators consider him cornered. Epic Taverns, Tales from the Fantastic Crime Unit. I, uh, it's, 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 this just looks amazing, people. And like I said, it's coming out of Scout. So it's, it's, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I'm not a video gamer and I talked all about this and the, you know, you heard me talk all about it. But regardless, I'm, <laughs> I'm into it, man. I'm into it. It just sounds like a hell of a whole lot of fun and, uh, yeah, I, I think you should check it out, too. I do. That's why I brought him on to talk about it. You know? um, I, I wouldn't steer you wrong, people. Um, all right, so there you go. Uh, remember to pre-order this book through your local comic book shop, Epic Tavern's Tales from the Fantastical Crime Unit. And, uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I really don't. Um, amazing, amazing team behind this. Um, all right, remember to head on over to podchaser.com after you're done adding this to your pull list and uh, leave a review for this episode or even the podcast in general if you haven't already. Reviews for podcasts, it's its almost as good as money. Um, rev- reviews, just it, there's just so much potential um, behind a review. So, yes, don't be afraid. Do it on podchaser.com or Apple podcasts or wherever the hell you uh you you listen and if you can leave a review but if you listen on like spotify or you can't then head on over to podchaser and leave that damn review um all right that's gonna do it as always remember to check out 307nerdsforever.com and use code cheers at checkout to save yourself 10 percent off their amazing stock of comics and uh yeah i'll talk to you the next time there's things about comics to talk about in the meantime i command that you stay safe and read responsible cheers you fuckers You're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm Monty Michael Moore, and this is the Cheers to Comics podcast with Brian Wayne. This is Drew Zucker. You're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. This is Mark Russell, and you're listening to the Cheers to Comics podcast.
podcast recommendations, you ask? Brian Wayne here, co-curator of The Apocalypse, And I know that sounds gnarly. That's because it is gnarly, man. The Apocalypse. What is The Apocalypse? The Apocalypse is a culmination of the gnarliest podcast, independent podcast the internet has to offer. So instead of trying to go to Twitter the next time you uh, need a new podcast to listen to and try to get Twitter famous, podcast recommendations, please. Just think The Apocalypse, man. And it's ironic because The Apocalypse is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Just go to podchaser.com. It's it's in the top list. The top list in the whole world. So whether you're looking for true crime, sports, uh, role-playing, uh, I don't know, anything, anything. Think of a podcast. It's on the apocalypse. It's like the apocalypse with a D. Hmm. And do not forget to follow the Apocalypse on Twitter as well. Once again, that is the Apocalypse. If you're looking for a podcast recommendation, the Apocalypse is sure to have something for you. Good morning. Brian Wayne here to tell you about my new podcast, The Real Brains. The Real Brains podcast is a show coming out daily, dedicated to the everyday struggle of just the average human being. From troubles with rage to uh, anecdotes about uh, very strange human interactions, this podcast really is just a uh, somebody that's all too familiar with the struggle. I'm here to let you know that you are not alone, so come laugh at uh, our pain together every single weekday, every place you can catch a podcast. Check out The Real Brains with Brian Wayne, and remember, stay sane. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now 